All right, we're in the book of Galatians. The book of Galatians. So turn in your Bible to the book of Galatians. We have covered the subject of the two natures found there in the fifth chapter. And to let a Christian know that if you walk in the spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. But we still have the lust of the flesh, even if you walk in the spirit. So you know that you've always got this battle in your life. You're always struggling. You're warring all the time. It never ends. It will not stop until you lose the body. Hey, and that could be at any time. So um, the Lord tells us there's some things that if we knew and understood, it could help us in our walk with the Lord. And believe it or not, it is the will of God that Christians, when you're not able to win a lost man, we're supposed to be setting the right example for the saved man. Be thou an example of the believer in word and deed, attitude, and so on. And uh, there's a lot of Christians that have not yet matured to where they walk in the spirit, they walk in the flesh. So part of your responsibility as a Christian is to be able to discern when Christians are not doing right and you, in a very meek-mannered way, try to help them. So it's not trying to point out their faults, it's trying to figure out a way to help them get to where they should be. We always have Christians who have been called of God to walk around with their big magnifying glass and try to expose all the wrong in everybody else's life. Of course, they never see their own, but they are very good at spotting others. So, if you will, very quickly, just look there in verse 13 of chapter 5. We've already covered this, but just as a, a brief review. For brethren, so you know you're talking to the believer. Ye have been called unto liberty. That means you trusted Christ as Savior. You've been made free from the law, free from the power of sin. In other words, you still have sin in your life, in your body, but it's power you do not have to yield to. There is a another power that's greater than the power of the old nature. But he does say this, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. In other words, don't use, well, I can't go to hell. All my sins are paid. And use my liberty as an opportunity to walk in the flesh, to live the way I want. And you'll notice there's lost people that will come to that conclusion. You mean to tell me you can trust Christ as Savior and then you can just live the way you want to and you still go to heaven when you die? Yes. Yes, you can. Now, most preachers will always say, no, 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 that's not what I mean. Yeah, it is exactly what I mean. But you can't avoid the consequences. And this is why this portion we're going to look at is going to deal with some of the consequences. So he says here in uh, verse 13, but by love serve one another. So Christian living is not just winning the lost. It's serving one another. Serving each other. Uh, that's why when we're having camp coming up in a couple weeks, we're not going there to be served. We're going there to serve. Vacation Bible school is not to be served. It was to serve. It's like Christ says he did not come to be ministered unto, but to minister, to give his life a ransom for many. So we're to reach other people. That's why we've been left here. 
That's why we study the Bible, so that we can be useful in helping other people. Now, a lot of times, you know, you can come to church now all your life, and you can always be absorbing, and you can know the Bible from one end to the other, but you've never served anybody, never done anything for anybody. You never taught anybody. You never won anybody. But you know that you're supposed to. That's when you really begin to live. That's when your life becomes valuable, when somebody knows the value of what you know. And they understand what you've gone through, and you're able to help and to teach somebody else. So that's why your example in life is so important. But now take your Bible. Look there in verse 24. Same chapter, chapter 5, but verse 24. And when he says, and they that are Christ, that means you belong to him, have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. That means when you trusted Christ as your Savior, his death became yours. So Christ died for us. So we have been crucified with Christ. That means the, the old sinful nature, the desires, the lusts, the affections, we're all crucified. Now, we're supposed to live as though that's true. And we're not supposed to live for the affections of the flesh, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. But that's, that's difficult, huh? I mean, we live in this world, and it's so easy. We, we can see. And there's things we like. There's things we want to do, things we want to be. And God says, can you sacrifice everything for what he wants. Mm. Now God says this. Look there in chapter 2. Look down there in verse 20. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. You'll see a, a wonderful, wonderful verse here. You ought to commit this verse to memory. I am confident or I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. It's like I died, but I really didn't die. But he did it for me. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, the body, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So this tells you, okay, this is what happened. But this is why I live. I live for the one who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, it would be great if all Christians did, but some Christians don't. Now, go back over to Galatians in chapter 5. And so he says in verse 25, if we live in the Spirit, in other words, that's where you have been placed. Once you trusted Christ as Savior, you're in the Spirit. You have a spiritual birth. That's how God sees you. God no longer sees you in the flesh as a lost man. He sees you in the Spirit as a saved man. But since that's where He sees you, that's where you're supposed to walk. Abide where you've been placed. Live according to who you really are. You are a child of God, so you should live like a child of God. But of course, we know that you're also a child of the devil. So that's why sometimes you have a problem. You want to live like the Lord, and you want to live like the devil. Remember in Romans chapter 7, when I want to do good, evil is present with me. Evil is present with me. That's that old sinful nature that you have inside of you. And every time you want to serve the Lord, you want to do what's right, evil is always there telling you not to, not to. So he says... In verse 26, let us not be desirous of vainglory. What is vainglory? Walking in the flesh. Using the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And that becomes your goal 
it's going to cause you to live your life in vain. It will be empty. It will not satisfy. You're not going to get out of life what you really think you're going to because, you see, a Christian has much more to live for than himself. A Christian lives for the Lord as he serves people and tries to reach the lost. So he makes this statement here in verse 26. Provoking one another. In other words, we're not supposed to provoke one another to vain glory, to empty living, the life that doesn't count. Uh, remember there's a statement someone made, um, only what's done for Christ will last. But he says here in verse 26, and you ought to underline that word, provoking one another, because this is what you do. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another. And we provoke them to envy and jealousy. Because, you see, let's say, for example, if you get the goods of the world, and that's your purpose and your goal in life, you know you're causing people to envy you and to be jealous of what you have. Now, it doesn't mean the things that you have is wrong. You've got to be able to use whatever God gives to you for His honor and for His glory. Because God may give it to you today, but, you know, He may take it away tomorrow. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. You should stay the same. You shouldn't be any different. Your character should stay the same. Your character is what you are. Character is revealed by your conduct. Nobody knows what kind of a person you are except by the way they see you handle pressure or decisions, choices in life. Our whole theme of the camp we got coming up is going to be making decisions, making decisions, learning to choose, how to decide. Because isn't it true that all of our life we're making decisions every day of our life of what we're going to do? Who we're going to be, where we're going to go, what we're going to eat, uh, everything. All about decisions, decisions. Well, if that's so true, shouldn't we try to make the best decisions we can make? Well, then that means you've got to have a certain amount of knowledge in order to do that. You've got to be able to discern right from wrong. So that's why you have the Bible. Remember this. One hour of your condensed study of the Word of God will do more for your soul than a month of studying all the wisdom in all the libraries. Because this is pure wisdom. When you say Scripture, it's script that is pure. It's pure script, holy. It's the Word of God. This can do something for you that all the wisdom of the world can't do. And that's why a little of this is better than a lot of that. And so I think sometimes we have gotten sidetracked. We chase the wisdom of the world instead of the, the Word of God. Now, in chapter 6, look there in verse 1. Brethren, so we're still talking to the believer. And that you have an old sinful nature mentioned there in verse 17 and 18, 19 of chapter 5. Uh, you also have, in verse 22 and 23, about the fruit of the Spirit. So, we are serving the Lord, and part of our service to the Lord is to discern where other believers are in their walk with the Lord. Not to be judgmental or condemning, but to come alongside and try to help them. I enjoy watching people who are at one level in their Christian life and then after a little of my influence in their life, watch them grow to where they know more, they can do more, more challenged, 
want to participate, want to, want to do something with their life. Because, see, serving the Lord is the power of God in your life, is the power of influence that you have in other people's lives. Some people have very little power in people's lives. They can't influence them. You can lose the power of your influence by a sharp word, a dirty look, just being unkind. And you have lost the influence in that person's life that it could have helped. In other words, you can provoke a person to envy and jealousy and meanness and bitterness by the way you are. If you sow hatred, you reap, you reap what you sow. And if you sow bitterness, you're going to reap bitterness. You sow ugliness, you're going to reap ugliness. That's why a lot of people are ugly. <laughs> but you reap what you sow. And if you sow love, you just love it to reap some. And if you sow mercy, you just love it to reap some. And so you want to sow the good things. See, and if you don't get it from people, you get it from God. That's why you always serve the Lord and do what is right and trust the Lord to bless you. Because you know there's an eye up on high watching you. And you don't have to tell everybody all the sacrifices you make because the one you did it for saw it. If you do it just for people and they don't see it, then you're going to be discouraged. And then you sometimes you have to let them know what you did for them. You know, just got to let them know or let somebody else know all the good things you did. So he says, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, that means that you're able to discern that there's a Christian brother walking in the flesh. Now, who can discern when another man's walking in the flesh? Well, another man is walking in the flesh, but he's not going to be able to help him. Ye which are spiritual, those that are walking in the spirit. You see, there's two things. Uh, to be spiritually minded means you mind the spirit. To be fleshly minded means you mind the flesh. And so it's just like having a child. Does your child mind you? When you say, does he mind you, it means does he obey you? So we talk about being spiritually minded means you mind the spirit. You do what he says. To mind the flesh means you do what the flesh tells you to do. So you're always listening and you're always obeying. The thing is, is what kind of a choice did you make? And it all depends on you. So he says here, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, try to get him saved again. No. Restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted to do the very same thing you're condemning. So, um, an arrogant attitude may lead to an identical temptation. You know, you have to be very careful how you perceive what other people are going through and the condemnation because God may just allow you to reap the same thing. I'm serious. You put down other people and you mock and make fun and you provoke. Did you realize that it's coming back? It's come, coming back. You're sowing a wind, but you're going to reap a, a whirlwind. Now you say, I don't want that. Then there's enough problems in the world. There's enough trouble in the world without seeking more. I was always told, don't trouble trouble until trouble troubles you. So you try to leave trouble alone. Don't look for trouble. Seek trouble. Try to, try to make trouble. But sometime when trouble comes, you've got to stand up to it and do what's right. But get what he says. 
restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. You ought to underline that. That means though you may have the opportunity to say, I told you so. And you should have listened to me. And you should be like me. And you can be proud and pat yourself on the back. And I never did this. And I never did that. Yeah, only by the grace of God. And if you get too big for your britches, you know God has a way of cutting people down to size. If you humble yourself to the Lord, then he says he will exalt you. You exalt yourself. And God says he's going to humble you. Or he can bring you down quick. That's why don't try to keep up with the Joneses. Just wait and catch them on their way back. But it says restore such a one. That means trying to get the person that's walking in the flesh to walk in the spirit. So sometimes it takes time. And a person wants to know that you really love them and you really care about them. Do you want the best for everybody in your family? You really want the best for your wife or for your husband? Do you really want the best for their kids? Then they need to see the best example they can. That good example of love and compassion and discipline will go a long way in toward, toward challenging and motivating others to do the same thing. Where do people see you the most? Home. Work. You should not be one kind of a person at work and another one at home and then different in church. The way you are in church, you should be the way you are at home or on the job. You shouldn't be, there shouldn't be three of you. You ought to be real and genuine wherever you are at all times. If you see me at a grocery store, it should still be the same Yankee you see in church. And I believe that I ought to be just as godly and holy and righteous out there as I am here on Sunday morning. And if I am, aren't you? Should you be holy and holy on Sunday morning? And then the devil the rest of the week. Mean and ugly and unkind. He says, you which are spiritual, spiritually minded. You're obeying the Lord. He says, obey in this. Love one another. Don't provoke people to do the things that are wrong. Guard your words. And then he says this, uh, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. So that's your job is to get them restoration. Get them back to where they ought to be. And there's a lot of Christians that are hurting and stumbling, worried. They got all kinds of problems. And there's opportunities galore. You can be an isolationist if you want. In other words, I don't bother nobody, nobody that bothers me. I'm not interested in nobody else's life. I want everybody to leave me alone, it's just me. If I was to live according to that, I'd be on the backside of some mountain up there in Alaska in my little cabin. I could be totally satisfied, but knowing the Lord and knowing the book, I can't do it. I can't do it. So you've got to sacrifice some things that you might like to do because of what you know. So you're always trying to figure out, how can I? But you know what I found out long enough? If you serve the Lord, it seems like God gives you your desires. He lets you enjoy this and enjoy this. Enjoy. And he says, I have given you all things freely to enjoy. 
You see, God made this world for us to enjoy, and I love to enjoy it. But I'm not in love with the world. But I can enjoy a lot of things in the world. To me, going to church and studying the Bible and meeting Christians and challenging and ranch and camps and all the things, I love that. I love it. I don't mind sitting in the office and trying to get a radio broadcast done. I, I enjoy it. I love it. But I also like to, to travel and get out and do this and that and the other. Now get what he said. In verse 2, bear ye one another's burdens. But look down in verse 5. For every man shall bear his own burden. Oh boy, that don't look like a contradiction to me. Part of your burden is to help bear someone else's burden. But every man is responsible to bear his own burden. But not every man bears his own burden and needs some help. That ain't complicated. You want to make sure that you can look at yourself in the mirror and say, am I doing the will of God for my life? Look at that verse there. You see there in verse 2, Bear ye one another's burden, and so fulfill, and you ought to underline this, the law of Christ. The law of Christ is the law of love. The whole law is fulfilled in one word, love. And that's why he says in verse 15, and it says up there, uh, verse 15, last part of verse 13, the previous chapter, talks about the concern that you have for others. Love. And so he says, bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ, the law of love. Get what else he said. For if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. Is it possible that a person who walks in the flesh thinks he's walking in the Spirit and thinks he's okay and everything's fine? You know, if you put on rose-colored glasses, everything has a rose-colored tint to it, didn't And it looks fine to you, but everybody else can tell that uh, something's wrong. Kind of like this man one day. He went to sleep. Had a mustache. And uh, his roommate came in there and had some Lindberger cheese. Put it all on his mustache, Lindberger cheese. And anybody knows Lindberger cheese just don't smell the best. Finally, the, the guy, he, he, he woke up. And he walked over to the sink. Man, the sink stinks. He opened the refrigerator. That man, refrigerator stinks. Walked up to his friend. You stink too. He says, the whole world stinks. Where was the problem? Right under his nose. He was the problem. And sometimes there's people who, you know, everybody's wrong but me. Like Mama watching the parade and there's little Johnny. She said, look at that. Everybody's out of step but Johnny. I guess it is perspective. But he says in verse 3, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. If you don't love the lost and you don't love one another enough to discipline your life, then God says, you're deceiving yourself. You're nothing. 
In other words, there's no value there. The reason God left us here is that we might be profitable one to the other. I just finished teaching on that in the book of Corinthians. That he has given us all gifts to profit with all. Now look what else he says in verse 4. But let every man prove or test his own work. Do you know the will of God for your life? Okay. How you doing? Are you doing what God wants you to do with your life? Are you learning to walk with the Lord? You trusting Him? You praying like you should? Do you study His Word like you should? Do you witness like you should? Are you concerned about lost people like you should? You see, those are areas where you ought to examine yourself. And then, if you're doing what God wants you to do, then your self-approval between you and God, your peace of mind, well, it doesn't depend on what somebody else says or thinks. You know between you and God, everything's fine. See what he says? But let every man prove or test his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing, get this, and you ought to underline those two words, himself alone. You see, serving the Lord, you have to learn that my walk between me and God, it's a personal thing. And whether it's somebody else sees it or don't see it, agrees with me, it doesn't agree, my walk between me and God is where I have my peace. And I'm satisfied. Otherwise, you see, you try to live up to somebody else's standards and you're always going to let them down and you let yourself down. But if you can just get to the place where you just, I'm satisfied that I'm doing what I can with what I know where I am between me and God. And then, see, you can have peace in yourself. Then you can try to help somebody. Do you know a person without peace, without joy, doesn't have much to offer anybody? Because most people are already miserable, and you don't need to give them that. But don't you need to give people some hope, some joy, a little life, purpose for living? Well, then don't you think you ought to have some? You ought to be an example of a, a happy Christian. Or are you an example of a miserable Christian? Me and Betty used to go to this here little restaurant. And every time you walk in there, Hello, good morning. How y'all doing? Want a cup of coffee? Well, we walked into a restaurant just recently. <laughs> and not a soul said a word to us. So I said, Hello. Good morning. And they. Uh, ain't that true, hon? Ain't it true? Happened this morning. So you ought to make you thinking. They might be having a hard day. Maybe somebody lost a job. Maybe something happened in a family. But I didn't have time to find out. But not everybody walks around with us. A smile button on. And there's times in your life when you're not always going to be smiling and happy. But try not to let it be your, you know, the main part of your life. You've got moments, yes, but it shouldn't be your whole life. That it characterizes the way you are. The Lord is good to us. Look what he says in verse 5. For every man shall bear his own burden. In other words, God has placed upon each one of us responsibility. 
Every man should carry his responsibility. In other words, to fulfill that which God has given to you to do. But there's always people who can't carry theirs as well. They don't know what you know. They haven't been through what you've been through. And God wants you to come alongside and help. To teach somebody. To encourage somebody. Did you know that even this morning, by the way that you are, did you realize that you can encourage somebody or discourage somebody? Have you ever... Now for, let me get that one. Uh, during the church service, you know, we got people that come and sometimes people have never been here before. They're first-time visitors and so on. And whenever they sing that first song, and then after about two stanzas says, okay, everybody greet one another. True? And everybody stands there. Now, are you one that goes and meets and greets and smiles and encourage? Or are you the one that stands there waiting for somebody to come to you? Now, you know everybody this morning is going to be watching you, don't you? You know that now, don't you? You know that. Now, you can get out of your comfort zone. You say, well, I just can't meet people. Do it. Just do it. Do you know that just shaking somebody's hand might cause somebody else to like, you know, somebody think glad to see me anyway. Somebody, I've been to churches where nobody talked to anybody. They didn't talk to each other. And this is the truth. When we got ready to have a radio station down in Pueblo, Colorado, my brother was up in Buena Vista and I was up in Denver area. So we was going down and trying to get a radio station put together and we decided, we're going to get a we got to go to church down there someplace. Because I was going to go on the road, and then when I come back, I go to... so we're going to go to church. I said, okay, you visit a few churches, I'll visit a few churches, and we'll try to find out a really good, you know, friendly church. So they'll come. I went down there, Betty went with me, and I said, now, let's just see how friendly they are. We walked into the church, not a soul said a word to us. We went in and sat down, and nobody said a word. They stood, sung their songs, they met, the preacher preached, got through, and nobody talked to us until I went out the door and the preacher shook my hand and said, thanks for coming. That was the coldest church I've ever been in. Now, my brother, I got with him later, he says, Yankee, man, I have found a good church. All right. He says, when I walked in, Yankee, they were so friendly. Everybody talked. I'm dying to find out where he went. He went to the same church I went to. See, I walked in there, and I'm going to see who's going to be friendly to me. That's not my brother. My brother goes into a church and takes over. <laughs> he walks in with his hand out and talking to everybody, hello, and whatever, you know, who are you, and where are you from, and blah, blah. You'd think he was the pastor. And we were talking about the same church. But see, he went in differently than what I went in. Boy, that church is cold as ice. So Yankee, they were on fire. And what I'm telling you is the truth. And this is my right hand. And that really did happen. Didn't it, huh? Did you know a lot deals with the attitude that you come with? How much you even learn. Did you know that sometimes when you come to church, it's, it's good that if you could just take whatever's bothering you. 
I know we can just cast it on to the Lord, but you haven't done that yet. But can you just drop it for a while and just listen to what God may be teaching you? And then, did you know that when you start getting involved in people's lives and trying to help whatever way you can, do you know that sometimes it's miraculous how that God seems to be solving some of your problems and you didn't do anything with it? If you wait until you solve all of your problems to be friendly and nice to anybody, it may never happen. But you go ahead and you say, I'm just going to cast it on the Lord and let God take care of it. And I'm going to try to encourage people. And you put a real genuine smile and a shake. And you look a man in the eye, or a woman, and look him right in the eye. And you'd be surprised how that God can cause a lot of other things that bother you. All of a sudden, you, you won't even remember what they all were. But there will be a few things, yes, you've got to solve. But God is good. Look what he says here in verse 6. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. So it is the will of God that you be taught in the word. And it also makes the statement, communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. So there's some that has to teach and there's some that has to learn. But you've been taught. That's why you come. You listen. You learn. And then the Bible talks about communicating, sharing back. Now this can also be used as the preacher. If he feeds you spiritual things, then you take and give your material things. So there is a, a needs being met, which is what we do here at the church. It also, if you learn something, if you learn something, it might even be helpful to the person who taught you something to say, you know, I appreciated that. I learned something. I learned something. That helped me. Did you know a person, I don't care who they are, loves flattery? It's not good to judge your life on it, but every once in a while somebody, they like to have somebody appreciate what they've said or taught. Teach a Sunday school class. Teach the adults. Win somebody to the Lord. Wouldn't you love somebody you led to the Lord? Stand up in church and say, I just want y'all to know, I'm so thankful that blah, blah, blah led me to Christ. He shared the gospel with me. Or I was down and low and somebody came along and his name is blah, 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 and he calls your name and says, that person really encouraged me. You see, don't walk around seeking to be encouraged. It'll come. Seek to encourage. And remember, even in this verse 1, it is the... The stronger person who takes the initiative. You ever have a problem between a husband and wife? It's the stronger person that should take the initiative. Well, I'm just going to wait and see. The stronger person should take the initiative. Ooh. On the job, somebody do you wrong. The stronger takes the initiative to make peace. Now, if you're too weak and you can't do that, okay, you just have to wait until somebody takes the initiative. Sometimes I can't stand the waiting process. But go, look what he says. In verse 7, he says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked whatsoever. Man soweth, that shall he also reap. Now, if you want to reap good things, sow good things. You want to be mean, go through life that way? Okay, well, then that's what you're going to reap, too. You reap what you sow. And if you'll put it in God's hands, you'll be surprised. All of our reaping isn't over yet. It ain't over yet. 
we can sow a lot of good seeds down here and thorns and briars are all around it. But the day is coming. See, when we get to heaven, you're, you're really going to reap. But look what else he says. For he that soweth to his flesh, this is talking to the Christian. So the Christian has an old nature and a new one. If you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap corruption. You're going to ruin your life. But in verse 8, For he that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Things that will last forever when you sow to the Spirit. See, one is temporary, one is eternal. So it's your choice. You can walk in the Spirit, you can walk in the flesh. It's your choice. But if you look at the works of the flesh, you're not going to like those. If you look at the fruit of the Spirit, ah, you're going to like that. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentle, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. All the good stuff is with the Lord. And all the bad things are with the flesh. And so you've got a choice to make it. So that's why you study the Word of God. So that's why he says, and let us not, in verse 9, let us not be weary in well-doing. Do you get weary doing right? Yeah. Who doesn't? Some of you in this room right now are probably a little weary of just doing right. We get tired of just being faithful. But why do we keep going then? Well, it's because it's right. You know it's right. You do it because it, you know it's right. And look at the last part of the verse. For in due season, you ought to underline this, we shall reap if we faint not. That means if we don't quit. If you don't quit. I uh, think we can cover maybe a couple more verses here, but probably won't finish all this. But look at verse 10. As we have therefore opportunity, opportunity. Now sometimes opportunities will come your way. Sometimes you have to make opportunities. But understand this, opportunities are like on wheels. And they're rolling your direction. And if you don't take advantage of it, when that opportunity is there, that opportunity will keep on going past. Don't you wish that years ago you would have uh, come up with this idea about selling water? Who in their right mind would have thought that you would be buying water? I mean, everybody drank water right out of the tap. And how many of us died? I used to drink it out of the creek, out of the lake. We had a well. Bring it up there and there's a frog in the water bucket. I even did it one time and there was a little snake in it. Now I didn't drink the snake. Didn't eat the snake. But there's opportunities. Remember that little piece of land that you was thinking about getting at one time? But it was $2,000 an acre, so it was way too much money. And today it's worth 50000 an acre. Man, alive, where was my mind? I could have had a V8. But opportunities come and opportunities go. And the reason for preparing yourself is because when somebody that you know and you love is hurting, say, so I'd love to help you, but I've got to go to three years of Bible college first. That's why you're supposed to be learning as you go because there's people that need help as you go. You can't put them on hold for the next you know, six months. For example, what if I, as the pastor, I said, uh, look, I'm not going to be here this Wednesday night, and I want you to preach for me. You say, well, 
preacher, you, you, you got to, I have to have six months notice. You ever heard the Boy Scout motto? What is it? Be prepared. On my honor, I will do my best to take what they give me and steal the rest. No, that wasn't it. To be honest, trustworthy, cheerful, brave, clean, and reverent. I will, I will do, be honest, loyal. I used to know all 12 of them. Be loyal, helpful, friendless, courteous, kind, obedient, cheerful, pretty, brave, clean, and reverent. <laughs> I was a Boy Scout one time. Then when I got 13, I became a Girl Scout. Uh, finally got one. But anyway, he says, in the last part of verse 10, he says, let us do good unto all men. But now get this, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. If you're going to treat anybody right, treat God's people right. Did you know if you don't treat God's people right, God's going to slap you. That's his child. What would you do if somebody slapped around your child? That's why you better treat me right. I'm his child. And you start messing around with me and start having, you know, potted pastor and roast reverend every day after church or something. You know, God says, okay, bud, you asked for it. That is my man. But see, I can't do you wrong either. Because you're God's child too. I guess we'll just love each other. And be kind one to another. And provoke unto good works, as it says in the book of Hebrews in chapter 10. Salvation, oh, that's good. That's free. We're talking about the Christian and his service to the Lord. And that's what God wants us to do. Keep it in mind. Let's pray, shall we? Father, we thank you so much for your blessing to us. We ask you to watch over and help us as we study your word to be able to discern and how to apply, how to take advantage of opportunities that you give us. And help us, Lord, to realize that if we become weary in well-doing, we're, we're not going to reap, not the things that we should, but to be found faithful. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.